What's up, everybody? I hope you're doing great and having a wonderful weekend. I'm so glad to see you here, right? Because uh, maybe in your life you've come to the place where you've realized how important God is. Uh, to me, like God is the number one priority, and so thank you so much for recognizing that God should be the number one priority in our life. And then also church, right? Church is a big deal. Church is us being connected, being part of a body, uh, like Scripture talks about, us being a family together, coming and worshiping the God that we know that's number one in our life. And so if you're new here. We're so glad that you're here. Welcome to Grace Church. My name's Aaron Olinsky. I'm the lead pastor, but we, we just are, are so excited about what God is doing in Grace and in our community. And so this is a great week to be here because we're launching out on a brand new series. Uh, we try and do series regularly, uh, different months and different weeks, but we're going to do four weeks uh, in the life of Elisha. Uh, Elisha is an Old Testament prophet, uh, powerful, significant man that God used in incredible ways. So if you have a mobile device with a Bible app on it, you can go ahead and open up to 1 Kings chapter 19. That's the text that I'm going to be using. That's the chapter I'm going to be focusing on, certain verses in there. The verses will also be on the screen, but we always encourage people to use you know, your device, your phone, you know, open it up, your Bible app to be in there. I know that's one of the ways that I read scripture all the time and so uh, that's the passage we'll be in. But what I'm praying and believing is that every single week over the course of this series is that God would speak to you directly. I know that's a bold thing because oftentimes people say, oh, gosh, Pastor Aaron, how does God speak? So what I'm praying is that God would speak to you, that through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, that something would rise up inside of you. And so what we're believing for this series, for today, for every single week, is that we're going to experience a story of ridiculous faith. That God would do something amazing and powerful in you, in us, in us as a church, in our community through this story. And anytime you talk about something that's ridiculous, uh, for those of us that have a, a few years under our belt, the word ridiculous back in the day, back in kind of old school times, was a word that was actually bad. Like you would say, that's ridiculous, and so it was a bad thing. But nowadays, there's actually a show called Ridiculousness, and it's a funny show, a lot of people watch it, that type thing. But isn't it interesting how words and the meanings of those words have changed over time? Like remember back in the day when the word bad meant bad? But now the word bad means good. And so if you say something's bad, you actually mean that it's good. And forget about the word sick. Like sick is not being sick. Like, oh, if you say sick, that's better than good. And so just words, uh, you know, change meaning. They're so important. And so we're going to talk about ridiculous. But this is not ridiculous bad faith. This is a story of ridiculous good faith, powerful, significant, strong and we're going to look at the prophet Elisha to do that and, and uncover his story. So let me give you a little bit of a background on Elisha and, and where we are in the context of history. And so First uh, Kings 19, the prophet Elisha, we're looking right in, in the 9th century BC. Uh, that's the time frame where he was. And so when you understand just world history, Israel as a nation at this point is actually divided. There's divided kingdoms. You have Judah and you have Israel itself. And so what happens, uh, though, it's, it's extremely unfortunate because during this time in history, the Israelites were actually, were, not many of them were following God. Uh, they, they knew God, they knew about him, but they had chosen to, to worship other other idols, other gods. So one of the prominent ones during this time was Baal. And so he literally was a statue and they would worship him. They would do sacrifices to him, sometimes even human sacrifices. So it was a lot of paganism in the Israel, Israelites and in Israel, a lot of idolatry. And so Elisha is a prophet and amazing, but even right before him was a prophet named Elijah. 
confusing, I know, I get it. Elijah was a little bit older and Elisha came after him. But Elijah was super powerful, so bold, where he was preaching about God, telling everybody, you're worshiping false idols, what's wrong with you? And he would confront the king and he would confront the, king, the queen as well. And he would say, what are you guys doing? You're leading our nation in the wrong direction. And so he was one of those people. He was a catalyst for change, you know, because of his passion for the Lord. And the Lord used him in amazing ways. And then Elisha comes after him. And the thing that's neat is, if you know anything about Elijah, and as amazing as he was, Elisha asked for a double portion of the anointing. And so you know how you meet somebody and you go, wow, God uses them in an amazing way? I want to do double what they do. That's the man, Elisha, that we're talking about, where he was so bold. He had so much faith, ridiculous type faith, where he was going, God, I want a double portion. I want to do more, just exponentially more. And so the thing that's neat is there are, there, there, Elisha has the second most recorded miracles in all of scripture. Number one is Jesus. Number two is Elisha. So that's the man that we're talking about. That, that's the faith that we're, we're going to dive into. And the thing that I love, love, love so much is that Elisha was, he was an ordinary guy. Like he literally was an ordinary man, regular person, uh, not overly spiritual, right? His, the, the way his story works, and we're going to dive into it and, uh, just, it, and how it unfolds, he starts as a farmer, okay? Just a regular guy, like boots, jeans, plaid shirt, probably a cowboy hat or something. You know, maybe had a horse named, you know, Dixie. I, like, like, that's the guy we're talking about, right? Elisha, normal, regular guy. And so I know for us, oftentimes our faith is so small that we're unwilling to dream big. And so we're going to press on that a little bit because that needs to turn around. And so we're going to dive into a story of ridiculous faith. So let's take a look at 1 Kings chapter 19, starting in verse 19. It says, So Elijah went around and found Elisha, son of Shaphat, plowing a field. There were 12 teams of oxen in the field, and Elisha was plowing with the 12th team. And so we get this. He's a farmer. He's, he's, he's plowing. He's got his plow. He's got the oxen. And so this is interesting, too, because this is the same job that Elisha has been doing for a long time. Like, he's a farmer. He's plowing the field. That's what you do. Like, you do it day after day. You plow the field. You get, it, you get the dirt ready. And, and so it's the same thing. You do it every year, every season. You know, and, and, you know, being in that position, some people, like, considered it, like, not a great thing. Some people loved it. But sometimes, I mean, you have to understand, if you're plowing a field behind a team of oxen, okay, so put yourself in that position where you're behind the oxen, what is it that you're smelling the whole entire day as you're plowing the field? What is it that you see, what do you see when you're standing behind oxen? What is it that you see? You see a oxen booty, like all day long, every day, day after day, plowing the fields. That's, that's exactly what you see, what you smell, right? I mean, that's just the reality. And so for us in our lives, maybe you right now, you, you feel like you can relate where you're going, it's just the same thing in my life every day. Maybe you feel like Elisha, right? You just, you're in this rut, you're in this routine, same thing, day after day. Maybe you're in sales, right? And, and the thing about sales is, and things are going great, you know, commission's strong, sales are strong. You're like, this is great. But the reality in sales is there's often a monthly quota, 
a quarterly quota, and here we're closing up Q2, going into Q3. And so the, the thing that's interesting is the numbers that they repeat every single month. Like you come to the end of a month and you're like, I met my quota, but then what happens? The first day of the month comes and you're like, oh, you got to start over again. And maybe you're a student and maybe you're studying and studying and you're continually studying, taking classes, and you feel like this is never going to end. It's paper after paper, exam after exam, and you feel like this is never going to end. It's just the same thing. Or maybe you're a parent and it's like diapers, laundry, meals, diapers, laundry, Meals, again, like day after day, day and, and it just is something. It's like you have baby bottoms and bottom lines and oxen bottoms, just, all, just this monotony all the time in our lives. And so it's easy to lose our passion when all we see is oxen bottoms. I mean, it is so easy in, to get lost in, in, in the mundane. And, and so we have to just understand what passion is and where it comes from. And, and so God is the one that fills us up with, with his spirit and with passions and desires for him. Passions and desires for, for, for us to be used in the way that God designed us to be used. Where we are in, in this current season and, and where he's put us, that passion should rise up from within, with inside of us. And so Elisha was being faithful in his task of plowing and being a farmer. I know um, for me in my life, every time it seems that I go through a challenge or I'm in something mundane, you know, a routine, a rut, uh, or if I'm facing a difficulty, uh, or in scripture it talks about a trial where God will put trials in front of us uh, to, to test us, to see how we're going to respond and react. And, and so uh, you're probably the same as me. Like when, when it's going on, I'm going, God, why are you doing this? What's the deal? When is this going to stop? When's it going to be over? You know, come on, like, let's go. This is hard. I don't like this. This is uncomfortable. When am I going to break out? When am I going to break free? When am I going to hit this next level? And so then, after I stop whining, uh, I, I go to this place where I go, all right, God, what is it that you're trying to show me? What is it that you're revealing in this season, in this time, through what you're, what you're showing? Where are you taking me? And oftentimes in that, I go, God, what is it that you, you need to kind of chip off of me so that I can go to the place where you want to take me? What weight am I carrying unnecessarily that I can't get to where we're going, where you want me to be, because I'm carrying that? And so maybe that's something you relate with, but I know for me, it's just God will drive me to this deeper dependency in him, where there's faithfulness in the task, there's faithfulness in the routine, there's a deeper dependency. And so it's just there are often opportunities for you and I to show our faithfulness. And that's exactly what Elisha's doing. Elisha's being faithful because God loves to reward people that are faithful. I mean, faithful is, is something that people would often look about and, and even wonder if it, it has passion or not. But, it, but in fact, there's passion in the faithfulness. Like, I'm going to be steady. I'm going to be secure. I'm going to, I'm going to be driven in, in, this, in, in being faithful, being a good steward. And, and, and so God, and, and in fact, Jesus says in Luke 16, verse 10, he says, if you're faithful in the little things, you'll be faithful in the large ones. But if you're dishonest in little things, you won't be honest with greater responsibilities. So in the middle of Elisha's daily faithful routine of plowing the field, looking at the oxen bottom all day long, God shows up 
God interrupts. And so we have just the continuing in verse 19. It says, Elijah went over to him, and he threw his cloak across his shoulders, and then he walked away. And so what does this mean, right? Elijah goes and finds Elisha. So, so there's obviously something significant going on. Some, you know, this anointing, this calling for Elisha. Elijah throws this cloak over. So this is, uh, this is probably some type of animal skin. Because of Elijah's prominence and his age at this point in time, somebody had probably given him this type of cloak or you know, a coat to, type to wear that was of some man, animal skin. And so th- there's a lot of symbolism going on where Elijah's taking this off and he's putting on him, and he's saying, basically, what was covering me will now cover you. And so scripture talks about a mantle, an anointing that is passed on and, and, and can, be, can be shared with others. And so it, it's saying, hey, I, I, I'm the mentor, I'm the coach, I'm the leader, but now I'm taking you on as a follower, as a student, uh, a, an apprentice type situation. So I'm now taking this and I'm putting it on you. You now have the same covering of which I have. And so this is the calling, right? This is the calling for Elisha to follow the prophet Elijah. Can you imagine what he felt in that moment? It's so significant. And you and I, we have the same calling to follow Christ every single day. The same mantle that Jesus had falls on you and I. And so it's so significant. And and here's what I want to pull out several things in this passage of scripture. The first thing is that we don't have to understand fully to obey immediately. In verse 20, it says that Elisha, he left the oxen standing there and ran after Elijah. And he said to him, first, let me go and kiss my father and mother. He's a good, good farmer boy, right? Go kiss your mama, right? So go kiss my, my father and mother and say goodbye. And, and then I will, go, I will go to you. I will go with you. And Elijah replied, go back, but think about what I have done to you. And so Elijah is saying, do you recognize the significance of what's taking place? And the, the thing that I love, right? We don't have to know all the details to obey immediately because Elisha, he didn't have to pray about it. I mean, right? Pastor Aaron's saying, hey, sometimes God moves so powerfully that we don't need to pray about it. Like, you know it's God. You got to do it. Like, go right now. Now's the time. He didn't have to pray about it. He didn't have to, to develop this list of pros and cons. Uh, what, what, are the, what are the positives and negatives of this situation and how is it going to affect me? He, he didn't need to go set up an appointment with his counselor and say, hey, I need, hold on. Like, I, I need to make sure like, this is going to work. I need to talk to my counselor. And, and so it's, it's like, God, you know, I believe that you're in this. And so I'm going all in. Like, I recognize this is you. And so I'm going all in. There's no questionnaire that Elijah's filling out. Uh, there's no job description that he asked for. Like, hey, you know, wait a second. Like, what, what, what are the hours for this? You know, what, what's the PTO type scenario? And, you know, he didn't go to Elijah's LinkedIn account or, you know, track him on social media to see his reputation. or Like, he didn't do that. He's just like, I'm all in and I'm going for it. I'm obeying immediately. And so when you, when you talk about things like this, this is ridiculous faith, and I get it. It's a big deal. And, uh, but some of you have even done things like that before, which is incredible. And, and so when you think about just the leadership that we have, because we, we are all leaders. We, we have influence in our life. We lead. We make decisions for our life, uh, for, for your job, for your career, for your, your classes, if you're married, for your family, for your kids if you have them. So we, we're constantly making decisions as leaders. And so for me, I 
love to talk about leadership and, and you know, teach it and train it and coach and encourage people. And I, I love to be strategic in, in how I go about decisions and, and being very, very purposeful and intentional. I like making plans. I like setting goals. But I also have this piece to me where I love to jump on opportunities. Like, I, I don't know if you have that, but sometimes an opportunity will come up and I'm like, we got to do that. Like, let's go. Like, how much is it going to cost? Where do we need to go? How do I sign up? Like, right now. And, and so it's like, sometimes I like to jump on those opportunities. And so, just so you're aware, for us as a church, we have made a commitment to constantly change. Uh, just so you're aware, th- there's things in our life where we constantly want to be willing to be moldable and shapeable, where God will direct us and adjust us, because we want to stretch. We want to grow. And oftentimes, the, the, the way that we grow is through that stretching, through that challenging, because it's, it's our heart, it's our desire to stay relevant. We don't want to become irrelevant in life and in, in our community and, and, and for us as we go before the Lord. And so we can't be rigid. And so sometimes we have to jump on those opportunities. And so we want to be able to do that. And I hope that you do as well. You know, you know the times when it's just all of a sudden God just kind of puts something in front of you or the Holy Spirit stirs something in front of you or puts that person on your mind and you're like, I've got to do something about it. I've got to do something. I've got to have a conversation. I see the need and it's my opportunity. And so we have to recognize that that's God. Right? God is putting those things in front of us. It's his leadership that he is showing us and revealing to us. And so how many of you are aware that God doesn't show us everything in our future? Put your hand up. How many of you are aware? How many of you know that God doesn't show us everything? Yeah, just about every single hand. Like, and, I, and I get it. Right? God does not show us everything in our future. And so one, one of the things that we talk about often is, is this word that we call margin, where we need margin in our life, where we have to have this, this time. Maybe it's in our schedules where we're not booking ourselves solid and, and constantly busy, where there's no time for anything or, or spending all that, that we have. And, and so there's no room for anything, any opportunity that may come up to, to meet a need. And so in our schedule and our time and our work and where we need margin, because when an opportunity arises, we need to be able to jump like and jump on it and be all over it. And so sometimes we can't predict when those are going to happen. And even I would say almost all the time when the opportunity jumps, it, sometimes it's a, a surprise. And so we need to get into this posture of spiritual readiness when the opportunity arises. And so that's the spirit, right? Where we're in tune with the Holy Spirit. We recognize his prompting, his leading, his guiding. And then we're flexible to move, to do it. To adjust. And so and it, this is uh, super important for us. I know uh, for us as a church, we uh, have gone on several medical and dental missions trips to Guatemala. And we are in fact going again this year, this coming, the end of September and the beginning of October, we're taking seven days and we're going down uh, a team of us. And, and so if, if that's something that is uh, interesting to you and you would love to have more information, we have a few open spots uh, and we would love to have you come. But one of the things that we have all the applicants do is to, to fill out an application. And one of the questions on that application is, are you flexible? Circle yes or no. Would your friends describe you as flexible, right? Because when opportunities come up, things change. And for us in the mission trip, like we do our very best to plan stuff out to make sure everything lines up. But sometimes things don't go the way that we expect. Are you flexible? 
when God shows up in those opportunities, are you going to be able to respond? And so I know for me, I want to be ready, right? And, and I want that for you as well. And so here's how God will lead you. Like he'll do that. But sometimes, <laughs> rarely, God will give the details. I'm just, I'm just saying like rarely will he kind of tell you everything that's going to happen and how it, it unfolds. I, I often even think that God is intentionally vague. I just do. I, I think sometimes we, we would just, just have trepidation in, in where he's leading us, what he wants us to do. And so we go, ah. And so sometimes God will even give us direction in one word. There are multiple examples throughout scripture where God gives one word to tell somebody what to do. In fact, one of the examples is Abraham. God says to Abraham, he's like, go. And it's so interesting because even in scripture, it says God tells Abraham, go. And then he he gives him a carrot. He goes, and go to the place that I'm going to show you. Like, I don't know about you, but where do you go when you're supposed to go to a place that's unknown? So God says to Abraham, go. We're talking about like Abraham. I mean, we're talking about the, the, the father of many nations, the, the one that God picked to, to establish the, the Hebrew nation. Go. Uh, where? I'll show you. Okay. I mean, are, are you kidding me? And then you have tons of examples throughout scripture. And then you have Peter, right? Peter is hanging out in a boat and there's, there's a storm during this time. He's with the other disciples and all of a sudden they see Jesus. Jesus is walking on the water like, what? Oh my gosh, is it a ghost? Oh my, who, who is that? I, I, Jesus, is that really you? Jesus, if it's really you, then tell me to come out on the water. And what does Jesus say? Come, come on. And he does, like Peter does. One single word, he steps out. And so you may hear one word from God. If you're in a marriage right now, and maybe your marriage is struggling, right? Maybe you're going through some difficulty in your relationship, and there's some conflict, and, and there's tension there, and you, you sleep in the same bed, but you feel like you're miles apart. And that one word that God continues to say to you is stay, stay. Maybe you have a business, or you hope to have a business, and you have this idea and it's stirring inside of you. And all of a sudden, God just says, start. Now's the time I want you to start and to begin. Maybe you're having health issues, right? And, and you're feeling them and it's hard, it's difficult. And the one word God says to you and he continues to repeat it is trust. Trust in him, trust in who he is. Maybe you're here in church and you've been coming to church and, and you, you've been watching from the sidelines You've been not, you're not, you haven't been in a group. You're not in a group yet. You're not serving on a team. And so the one word that God would say to you is commit. It's time to commit. Maybe I talk about a, a missions trip to Guatemala and you go, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, that makes me, you know, it stirs up inside of me. Maybe that one word that God says to you is go, just like he told Abraham, but I have a destination for you. So like, come on, let's go. And so maybe you're in a relationship Maybe you're, you're dating and, and you're considering the future and, and, and in that relationship, it's not so good. Like he's a jerk or she's not treating you right and you know it. And, and your mom would not approve of that person. And that one word that God says is break up. Like here it is, Pastor Aaron, break up. Like they're not for you. You're better than that. Like, come on, you're better than that. So sometimes it's one word. It's one word that God speaks. And so what if we trusted God so fully that we obeyed immediately?
without having the details. And so sometimes God speaks, and it's so very clear, right? I hope that you've experienced that before. If you haven't, I pray that you do, and that's what we're believing for. Uh, And then there's other times when it's not so clear. I would even say most of the time it's a story of ridiculous faith. And so he wants to establish our trajectory for our life and ministry. And so God wants to do that. And so he wants us to obey. He wants us to respond. But the thing that's interesting is, what if we didn't? What if God says that one word to you and you're like, nah? What, what, what if we didn't respond? What if we didn't obey? Now, for me personally, I believe that God is sovereign. He's amazing and incredible. But the reality is, is we can decide to obey or not. Uh, and so the second thing that I want to touch on in Spass of Scripture is, is that those that God uses the most are the ones who hold on to the least. And this continues in verse 21. It says, so Elisha, back to his story, he returned to his oxen and he slaughtered them. He used the wood from the plow to build a fire to roast their flesh. He passed around the meat to the townspeople and they all ate. Then he went to Elijah as his assistant. And so basically, this is steak on a campfire. I mean, I don't know any other way to explain it, but that's exactly what's going on. This is ridiculous faith where he kills the cows and he burns the plows. Like, that's just, that's what he does. He's like, hey, I'm going to do it. And so that's like a mechanic. If you're, if you're a mechanic, that, that would basically be God showing up to you in your garage. You're working on something and God says, I have something else for you. And you literally give all your tools away. Like you walk away. You're like, here's my garage. Here's my tools. Here's the whole thing. And you roll it and you give it to somebody else. I mean, and, and so then you also have the, the aspect of the animal sacrifice. And, and this is, you know, an Old Testament thing where, where people would, uh, the, the Israelites would sacrifice uh, animals as unto God. And, and so this makes sense that Elisha would do this, where he would kill the animals and, and, and basically have a big party. So he, he burns the plow, right? He gets rid of his livelihood. And so the thing that's interesting, if you dive in deep and you were to ponder this and understand this fully, basically he's burning plan B, okay? Like his livelihood, he's getting rid of it entirely. There's no plan B. There's now plan A and only plan A. There's no other out. There's no other option. Oh, I'm going to kill them and burn them and we're going to have steak and I'm going. That's it. There's no, no. And so... (laughs) As a dad, um, if one of my sons were to come to me and they would say, Dad, I'm going to do this. I'm going for it. It's an opportunity. I'm going to do this. I'm going to go to college here. I'm going to take this job. I'm going to go. And I'm going to sell everything. And I'm going to get rid of it. And I'm, as a dad, I would go, gosh, like, I'm so proud of your faith. That's so awesome. But maybe, just maybe, let's not kill the cows or let's not burn the plows. Let's maybe just like hold on to them a little bit, like put them off over here to the side. Like let's like keep them, like keep them safe just in case, like just in case it doesn't work out. I mean, that, that's what I would do as a dad. And for those of you that are parents, maybe you're, you know, bolder than I, but I know uh, th- this is happens in scripture as well. Where back to uh, Peter again, as a great example, he encountered Jesus after fishing all night and catching absolutely nothing, fished all night through the night nets. Uh, it, it, Jesus calls from the shore. And he's like, hey, you need, you need to throw the nets on the other side. It's like, come on, man. Are you for real? Like here to there, like for real. And so he does and catches all these fish. Peter's just astounded. They're bringing them all in. 
And then Jesus, you know, drops the bomb on him. He says, hey, I know that you caught all those fish, and that's awesome, and we'll eat some right now. I love sushi. And so he's like, hey, but just FYI, you no longer will fish for just fish. You are going to fish for people. I want you to come and follow me, and you will be a fisher of men, one, one version of Scripture says. And, and in Luke 5, verse 11, as soon as they landed, they left everything, and they followed Jesus like everything, leaves it all, leaves his career, leaves his job field, leaves everything. And so maybe, just maybe that's something you're experiencing. <laughs> and so here's the deal. Uh, just make sure it's God. Don't like walk into uh, through the office tomorrow, be like, I'm out of here. Like, don't do that. Yeah, but if God is leading you, absolutely. So we're believing, I'm believing that God will give some of you a plow burning type faith plow burning and, and so to do whatever it takes and there may even be some of you here or listening online it's time it's time to burn the plow and you know it in fact why don't you tell the person next to them to be an encourager tell them burn that plow go ahead and tell them tell them right now burn that plow burn that plow and so it, oftentimes we think about we're like oh burn the plow and, 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 and like passion stirs up inside of us and we go man but then also, like, it combats us a little bit, doesn't it? Some doubt, some fear, some concern. We're, we're in our habit. We're in a certain relationship. We're, we're comfortable there. And, and so don't let that keep you from all that God has for you, okay? Now, I fully understand that some of you, God is calling you to the faithfulness. Some of you, God is calling to the plow-burning faith, they are, they are extremely important to recognize the difference, but they are both faith-based in what God directs us to. But some of you that need that plow-burning faith, there might be something holding you back. You know it. It's stirred inside of you. It, something's holding you back. I know when I was a child, um, I had a blankie. I don't know if you had a blankie. I sucked my thumb till I was like eight or nine, had my blankie. I would like nestle up like that. And if, when I had both going on, like I was out like a light and I just, that comfort thing. So I had my blankie. And then one day they took it. They took it. I cried like I wept. Ah! It was, my blankie was falling apart, right? It was just tatters and it was like yarn that was all dirty, nasty. And, and so, but grandma made me a new one. Uh, great, grandma. Thanks so much. And my mom was probably in on that scheme. And so she crocheted one, but it wasn't the same, right? It wasn't the same. It's a different type blanket. And so I had to leave my blankie behind when I went to college. Um, <laughs> So in order to move forward, to find our destiny, usually we have to leave our security behind. In order to take steps forward to what God has called us to, sorry, it kind of gets me caught up a little bit. In order to take steps forward to find the destiny that the Lord has laid out for us, it usually requires us breaking away from that security the faith to believe for something new and to know that he's in it. And so maybe right now you're looking at oxen rear ends. Um, but now, maybe today, maybe tomorrow, um, God is going to do something new, something significant. And I want to ask you just a, a serious question. How many of you 
You don't need to raise your hand, but you'll know the answer. How many of you are so passionate for God that you are willing to obey with passionate, ridiculous faith? And only you can answer that. And God knows who we are and where we're at. And and, and some of you, you're not there yet. And I get that. I totally get that. And I respect you for being honest with yourself and knowing that. But it's possible that maybe you have an excuse or two and some reasons why. And and in your mind and in your head, they're legit. But really, when it comes down to it, God is pressing you and he wants you to move beyond security. And you feel like you can't, but he absolutely is in it. And so maybe for some of you, you're here and I, I, make a, I ask a question like that and you go, oh gosh, I, I never could do that. Maybe just maybe it's because your faith isn't fully in Christ. Where, where to me, Jesus is the one that lays his life down. He's the ultimate sacrifice. Elisha sacrificed the oxen and they had steak and that's a great, incredible story. But Jesus in his deity as the son of God lays his life down dies on a cross so that we could be redeemed, we could be restored, that, that literally the sin that, that enslaves us is broken. We're now set free because of Christ. And so maybe you aren't able to take that type of step, step of faith because you haven't experienced the freedom that Christ offers to you. And so maybe today is the day where you know you need to make a commitment to follow Christ. Where if Jesus says to you, I want you to to leave your past life, leave those decisions, those things, that lifestyle that you've been leading, I want you to leave it behind and I want you to come and follow me. How would you respond? And so if everybody here in the auditorium, if you could bow your head and close your eyes and begin to pray, pray as the spirit leads you, pray just to yourself, just in having this connection with God and talking about ridiculous type faith. If right there in that moment, I was talking about you and describing you where you know that you need to make a commitment to follow Jesus, where you've been holding on to things from the past or, or, and it's been holding you back and holding you down and you know that things need to change. If you could do me a favor and just go ahead and slip your hand up. You know you need to make a commitment to follow Jesus. Nobody's looking around, it's just me. Yeah, go ahead and put it up. You know, you're like, that's me. Thank you so much. You can go ahead and put your hands down. And then I know there might be some of you where you, you just, you know what's right and you need to commit to it. A ridiculous type faith. I'm talking bold, plow burning. And I, I'm believing that there may be several of you, if you'd be willing to just put your hand up, you know, just between me, you and God, right? Yes, thank you so much. Thank you for your honesty. I appreciate it. Or God stirs something inside of us. You can go ahead and slip your hands down. I mean, right now I can feel the presence of the Holy Spirit where he's been speaking this whole time. The music and the songs have been setting us up to have this incredible encounter with him. And so let's go before the Lord. For for those of you that raised your hand to make a commitment to follow Jesus, I want you to pray with me right now. Maybe repeat after me and just say, God, I know I need you. God, I'm tired of the old life that I've been living. Jesus, I want to follow after you. I believe that you're God's son. Thank you so much for forgiving me. I apologize genuinely for all the things that I've done wrong against you. And I want to leave that life and I want to follow after you. 
and I will leave everything for you. And Father, for so many of us that had our hands up to, to have these bold type prayers, this bold faith, this ridiculous faith. Uh, God, right now, I pray that you would just bring your presence and, and thank you so much that you know our future. You know our plans. We don't have to be concerned or worried or have doubt or fear. God, we, we have some questions in our mind. It's just in our humanness, but Lord, we entrust you entirely. Would you cause just this miraculous faith to rise up inside of us, that we would look forward and not back that we would burn plows and, and sacrifice cows to know that, that you're in it. Lord, I pray for a supernatural anointing in the businesses that are starting, the missionaries that are being established, the ministries that will break free, that will, be, that, that will come forward. God, the marriages, the relationships that are being restored, the healings. God, we declare you are incredible and we trust you with all of our life and all that you are. Lord, we lift you up and we praise you.